Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle. A private view is coming to you from Carl Kostil Gallery. I'm here with Scout Zabinski. I'm so happy to meet you because I feel like I've known you and been a friend of your work since I saw it. Uh, you're an academic who recounts social theory via painting. Your work is sometimes referred to as psychological self-portraits. Scout's exploring the nature of trauma. Her portraits act as a meditation, which is how she's learned to assimilate her personal history with sexual assault, abuse, eating disorders, anxiety, and depression. This is brave work, but it's uplifting, which is a miracle considered the subject matter you're dealing with. Each painting begins as a photoshopped image on her iPhone based on memory and the subconscious and works via assemblage, which I'll talk to you about later. Hi, Scout. Great to meet you in London <laughs> as you install your solo show Into the Veil at Carl Costell on Savile Row. It's lovely to meet you too, even though, like you said, I feel like I've known you. So, yeah, I'll start with this piece and then just give a little intro to the show because I do feel like this show differs from my past work as a whole. This painting is a painting I've wanted to make for a really long time, but because I'm self-taught, what just didn't feel confident enough. Um, there's like certain aspects to my work, including like you mentioned the photoshopping and photography that compositions are kind of hard to make. Um, and this painting's called God Himself Could Not Sink This Ship. And then, which is a quote from the Titanic, but it's also, it's like my personal crucifixion piece as well. It's a painting of a woman who yeah. resembles Scout, and she's a mermaid. And all of my paintings in this show are titled with sobriety markers. Um, so this one I think is like 86 days off the cross, which was the nod to the crucifixion. And yeah, it just, it's a really rewarding process to have a painting turn out like better than you imagine in your head. Usually I'm, usually I'm satisfied. Sometimes I hate them. There's a mix, but like sometimes they are very, special to me and this is one of them but all of the paintings in this show have nods to paintings from art history because i didn't study like painting in college but i studied a lot of art history and you know as a kid i traveled a lot with my father and renaissance art was a huge part of like why i wanted to be an artist so yeah let's uh, go go to now we'll go away from the painting into the artist yeah if you would describe yourself, who would you say you were and what would you say you do? That's interesting because I feel like my answer to that has changed really recently. Um, I feel like I do describe myself as an artist and confidently, like I think that's what I do, but I don't think, I think there's way more than that. I think that like art is a person's life and you're an artist because you see things and feel things in a different way. And that's also really painful. And I think that what I used to try to do with my art was I tried to prove myself with it. And really that was about my own things. But I think that now like I love interactions with people. I love touching people and like finding those little magic moments. And I think I used to try and make that through my art. And then I realized that not everyone's gonna like my paintings, like that's in the nature of the game. <laughs> but I do, I still consider myself an artist because I think that what I do every day and talking to people in 
looking at the world is also art. So, or just like hanging out by myself and remembering those moments on like in a new city or on the beach, like that is part of what goes into this and whether anyone can relate to this work comes from, you know, what I do every day that's in or out of the studio. So, yeah. Um, let's move to the horses and I'll yeah. ask you the next question. We're standing in front of a incredible, incredible canvas. It's quite large. Um, what are the dimensions of the canvas? Uh, this one is like 96 by 72, I believe. There's a ba baby blue, a powder blue in the background. There's two unsaddled, unbridled horses. They're white and someone who looks a lot like Scout is riding the one in the front. Uh, what was your early life like and when did you realize that the life of an artist was one for you? So I grew up, I told you I grew up in New Jersey. My family is from New York, but they moved there when they had me and it's an attempt to save the marriage. It didn't work. So a lot of my life was spent with my mom and then the time I really spent with my dad was traveling. And I was very fortunate we went on really nice trips. Uh, he was a surgeon and my, the moment I am mentioning all of this because the moment I knew I wanted to be an artist, I was probably six years old, maybe seven. And we were in the Uffizi in Florence and I saw Primavera and it was, it was just magical. It was like one of those things that, I mean, now it's, it makes me sad a little bit. And I was talking with a fellow artist because with the nature of how the art industry runs, you can't really spend that amount of time on a painting. Um, I would love to one day get to the point where I could spend years on one painting. And you see that when you stand in front of those canvases, you see like someone's life's work. And it's, it like knocks you off your feet. There's, you can look at a blade of grass and be like, how did someone even make this? And it's not about realism because there's, I think that's the other thing is in the artworks that I saw there, and there's one other that I'll mention, but they weren't, they, they like transported you to the artist's mind in a way that I think artworks still do, but there was just something so timeless about that painting. And also I think that those paintings, the, not only was the painting clearly like did it take so much time but the thought behind every movement and gesture and just the idea of the painting like the actual intelligence behind the painting clearly took a lot of studying and a lot of you know investigation and the other the other artwork that really changed um which i feel like i'm kind of making a nod to with the surprise sculpture in this show was Bernini's The Rape of Proserpina, which is, in my opinion, like the most magical sculpture of all time. It's in the Borghese Gallery, and as you walk around it, Proserpina turns into a tree. And it's it's just it's magnificent. And it's made of marble, and you're like, how is this thing so perfect and and strong and soft at the same time? And like nothing you've ever seen before. I mean, I've ne never even seen a painting like that. And I think at that point as a kid, I didn't understand that I could possibly do that. I didn't think that in my mind, like my dad was a surgeon. I didn't think I could be an artist, but I think as a kid, I really wanted to like move people to be like an artist in the way of, I was like, I'll be an actress or I'll be a singer. And I was really bad at those things. So 
I think during high school, I like took my first painting elective and I was like, oh, this is something I can do. And then my mom reminded me, she was like, oh, you've been making like little artworks like every mom does. She's like, you've been making artwork since you were a kid. And I was like, oh, okay. I've always been drawn to this, but I didn't think it was feasible. So yeah, that's a long-winded answer to your question, but... But it described the, the place you found for yourself yeah. within the art world. At an early age, you knew it felt like home, where yeah. maybe nowhere else in the world felt like home. Yes. And it also had meaning that resonated with you, and it was a meaning that kind of gave you direction in life. Yeah. It was powerful stuff. What influences you culturally and artistically I think it's that's where this show has t like changed. I do think that they come from a lot of Renaissance like references, like this painting that we're standing in front of references the Napoleon Crossing the Alps painting, and they kind of all have a counterpart. Where I'm not necessarily trying to recreate the painting, but with my knowledge of art history, I'm really interested in. I mean, I stu I studied a lot of literature in college. I went to a school where you could create your own major. So I studied psychology and art history and a lot of literature from the 19th century of women and domesticity. And then also uh, I read all of like Dante's Paradiso. And that really changed how I saw art in accordance with like the time that people digest it in. So like whatever time period it's being made in and whether or not there is progress in the way that art is made, like sociopolitically, but whether or not it's just like a product of the time. And as I like kind of thought about my own work, because I'm always, I always say that uh, I, I actually hate my, like if I could choose any art I made, it would not be my own paintings, um, which is why I'm also fine when people don't like it. Cause I'm like, I wouldn't choose to make this either, but it's what I have to do. So what, what do you mean by that? Does it keep you well in the world? Does it keep you sane? Um, there's a part is of it, it that does. There's a part of it that's very gratifying in the way that I think when the pieces are finished and I like have the image in my head, because I have an ongoing list of about 200 paintings that I want to make. And when like one of those is completed, it feels like almost like I've lived that thing and I can let it go. But there's also, I mean, I don't think anyone would want to paint themselves over and over again. It's, it's, it's the tedious part. It's also like not fun to have to correct yourself because I know my own face and it's never exactly my face. And I think that's the part that I have to kind of let go of because other people don't look at it and expect me. They just expect someone. And that's the Cindy Sherman quality I yeah. got. Like, I'm standing with you in front of one of these pieces, and I'm not seeing it as you, although I yeah. can see you in it. Yeah. It's like you've taken on another character for the role yes. in the painting. And that's, that's what I think I've only realized recently, and it's, that is actually gives me more peace. Um, but I do think that there's... Back to, like, what the show and what inspires me is, like, and Cindy Sherman is... I think that there is this uncanny part to my art, which really makes people uncomfortable. And I, I was talking about it with someone recently in that, you know, a lot of, of the most famous paintings in the world, like Olympia or I don't know, like Titian paintings, like they are nude women that don't look that different from the pieces I'm painting, but knowing that it's anonymous makes it easy to look at. And 
I, I don't know if I would say it bothers me, but it, it definitely, I want to question that, like why this nature of even just knowing my name makes these more uncomfortable because it's the same form. It's not me, it's just pigment on canvas. And there's a, I could put a lot more detail if I really wanted to, but you know, I leave a lot out. And I think that that like pushing the vulnerability aspect and not straying from it being me is really just like me being a bit stubborn because there's not a lot of people that do this. There's people that do paint self portraits and you know, also repeatedly, but I think staying with the gaze, staying with like that almost vigorous honesty in the work, but also kind of like like the wedding painting is titled Little White Lie, which is kind Let's of- go over to yeah, it. Yeah, which is also- The wedding painting is two figures that resemble Scout. Yes. It's in front of a hotel. There's something that looks like Elvis's Cadillac in pink. Yes, uh, so- the, Yeah, take it away. So this painting is kind of the most modern, I think, of all of them. It's an ode to both the Arnold Feeney wedding portrait, but then also there's a very famous picture of Elvis getting married in front of the Little White Chapel in Vegas. So that's what it is. And it's so funny because I, I loved the idea of the title Little White Lie and I'd been, well, I'd been thinking about titling the show that, but it just seemed more fitting for this painting. But this feels like the culmination of those two things we just talked about, of like bringing what's in the history back and then also recognizing like how culture has spun it, like how modern culture has spun that. And I think that I've had a couple paintings where I do two of myself and I think it just like amplifies the the ridiculousness of these paintings. But there is this idea that when you experience trauma, yes, you divide. There there is and it's it's funny because the first class I ever took in psychology was titled Double Double and it was an interdisciplinary course between mostly Freudian psychology but just in general um, psychoanalysis and then film and media and you know that class really introduced to me the idea of the ego the id the superego and i think that exists in every work even when there's not two but this again just makes it more in your face because like all of these are my you know alter egos they're all not really me but there's an uncanny realism to them and some more than others that like pieces of me exist in them. And I think that is what makes people uncomfortable because it's it's not letting you look at them without a recognition that you're looking at them. And I always say like, I sexualize myself before you can in these paintings and not in a way that is that is actually sexual, but in, yeah, it's just a recognition, I think. And you own it. Yeah, I try, <laughs> I try to. Shall we go into the other room? In the second room of the show, Into the Veil, uh, which I want to ask you about the title of, we're standing in front of another double-figured painting called Fountain of You. Uh, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this one. Yeah, so this, besides uh, the ship painting that we talked about, was the other painting that I had really... It, it had made the idea for this show, and I had wanted to make this painting for a long time as well, and didn't feel ready to make it. Um, 
There's wow. a lot of leaves on this painting, if you can't tell. Um, it's a lot of detail and it took a lot of time. Um, Why didn't you want to make it? I did, I just didn't want to make it until I was ready. This was a painting that I knew, like this one very much was also inspired by Primavera and Birth of Venus. And it's kind of my nod to Botticelli. There's like a lot of greenery and I wanted to make movement with the leaves, but then also have this metamorphosis where it's not, it's like taking on like I am taking on another life, um, becoming stone and also like a real me next to that. I think there's like a real force of life in this painting, but that's, so going into the question about the name of the show, Into the Veil, I think this painting is the magic behind that. So Into the Veil, the veil is almost religious idea of crossing into another state after death, but it's also like a thin literal veil that is over life that we can't see what lies beyond. Um, and I really, I think with this show and being newly sober and kind of exploring, not my relationship, cause I'm, I'm not actually religious, but exploring my relationship with a trust in something greater than me have been really drawn to just yeah questions about what happens after and like what is the truth here on earth that we can feel and then what is our relation in like interrelationship between people and um thinking about the veil as these paintings i think was the most like moving force for this show is that there's a truth in all of these paintings there's like it's almost like two truths and a lie you know, like I'm giving you the title, I'm giving you the painting, but like, what's the lie? And is it that I'm telling you the truth or is it, you know, that that is actually me? And I think that's what it comes down to is each of these paintings is a veil. It's a thin strip of fabric. Um, but on it is like this entire life. And if you pass through that life, like we don't know, I mean, you know what's behind, it's the wall, but like, am I giving you the full story? And yeah, so I thought for the show, like introducing that theme of both magic, but then also questioning the vulnerability that I kind of self attest to, because I think that whether or not you actually paint yourself or just paint like abstract paintings, you're giving a self portrait because there's a reason you paint abstract paintings that says a lot about you as an artist. Um, but also even me painting literal self-portraits, like how much am I really giving away? And I was speaking with um, a friend who's a musician recently, and we were talking about how, how much, I, I had told him for years that I wanted an invisibility cloak um, because it's like a safeguard against, you know, being an empath and feeling a lot of things. Like sometimes like, I just want to disappear. And I finally feel okay with the idea that you know, no one, not everyone has to see me, that I can present a certain level of myself in the paintings or in real life, but there's like so much more to that, um, more to me. And I think that's true to everyone. You can only give me so much of yourself in this interview and I don't know the full scope of you as a person. And the same is true with these paintings. If I can give you my full naked form, but like that's only a fraction of what the real like scout is. So yeah, that's 
that's the show. <laughs> I want to move over to the next yeah. painting where you have again a double. Yes. And you're dancing with yourself yes. and something's going on with the hooves. Yeah. What's this one titled? Uh, this is The Slowest Dance. This one, it's funny because I really don't like this painting. I'm just going to put that out there. But that I think is because I spent a ton of time on this painting as well. And that is true with the grain of salt. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of what it does. And again, I don't, I don't have to. It's, it's, it's off of me now. Likeability isn't the goal here. Exactly. It's to challenge people. Exactly. And, but there is... Or I challenge yourself even. Yes. And I actually, that someone, the best advice I ever got was... Because um, everyone always asks you, what's the best advice you ever got as an artist? And I'm like, I don't know. But I did remember, I took like, a, you know, an art elective one time. And it's essentially like they hand you a canvas and they're like, have fun. And the teacher did tell us, he said, I want you to go look at the, I was studying in New York and he wanted us to go look at art galleries. Um, and I actually used to work in an art gallery just as like an assistant. And he told us, I want you to find the painting you hate most and sit with it for longer than any of the paintings that you like and find out why you don't like it. And I, I loved that because when I see a painting I don't like, I just, I walk away now. I'm kind of a snob in that way. I like, I'm like, I don't wanna look at that. But sitting with that discomfort, it, it made me realize what I want my paintings to do. And also it made me have an appreciation for even the works I don't like. Um, what do you want your paintings to do? You know, that changes every day. Um, it does, like I, I have so many like ideas run through my head that like, I, and I'm okay with that at this point. I think I want it to do something for me in the long run. I want to feel like I enjoy the process. Um, and, and just to bring that point up, when you do that, that does something yeah. for everybody. Yeah. And I think that that's it's a shared experience. It's a, no, it is. It's a shared experience. And I think that in these paintings, there's a bit of discomfort, even the fact that these don't look fun to make. Like this painting that we're standing in front of, it moves. Like, I, I don't know if you've like, like, when you stand back from this painting, it vibrates a little bit. What's going on with the hooves and the hairy legs? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this painting again, like I wanted to push the idea of like metamorphosis in this show and kind of a break from my reality into another world. Um, wow. And yeah, because it's, this world isn't that fun. And I wanted to kind of take on these characters that are me, but aren't me again, a nod to like Cindy Sherman and then... Matthew Bonnie. Yeah, and this, this painting is like a... Kind, kind of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, kind of like fairy tale painting. I had been looking at a lot of like paintings by, uh, I mean, not that this really references it, but like Lisa Yuskovich, like the magic in her work and love the eeriness. And I think that that's something that I want to work on more, but just, I don't know, kind of, creating something that moves like there's a movement in her work and it, this is definitely not doing the same thing but i think with the colors and the the shapes it gives it gives it transports you to a different place i think in a way that i've been really pushing with this work that's not you don't really know where this is i mean if i really wanted to be realistic like these leaves are falling they're not sitting on anything and nothing really makes sense and i think that that's a funny part in all of my paintings is 
there's an element of realism and then there's also an element of like oh wait that's that's not right like even with the cadillac painting the cadillac's way too small to be next to those women like it's not it's nothing's really right size nothing really makes sense and i think that's the fun of it because there's elements that we find ourselves in as viewers but then there's also elements that are like oh wait this is not here on earth which i think is fun i feel like this one of the last questions is a bit repetitive because you're very much about what art is for but mm. if i were to ask you to answer the question in a few words how would you answer hmm I think, I think art isn't really for anything because I think it's for every artist and I think that that is so different. I think when you get caught up in trying to make art for something or art to prove something or art to say something, it does kind of the opposite. So if you could live with one piece for the rest of your life, money can't be the factor, the deciding factor, what would it be and why? I think right now, because I, I can never usually pick, like that's like a favorite artist question. I know, I know. I have, I, I think it'd be Elisa Yuskovich, yeah. or I have a real affinity for uh, Peter Scheuf, and also we talked a lot about um, Botticelli. So one of, one of those, um, there's like a magic in all of them, and they're all very, very different. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see why when you mentioned all of them. Yeah. Uh, Tell me when the show opens. Thank you. It opens April 19th. The, the private opening is on the 19th and then it'll be open until May 9th, I believe. And if people want to look at your work on Instagram? Yes, yeah. Oh, and that's 12A Savile Row at Carl Costiel Gallery. Yes, uh, my Instagram is Scout Zabinski. Thank you very much. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Maeve. You've been listening to Maeve Doyle's Private View. This podcast is produced by Will Fitzpatrick at Soho Radio. The music is by Korshid Homi. Thank you for listening. <laughs>